Welcome back to Messages of Necessity. I'm Ken Gerardin, joined once again by my colleague, Bill Hammond, Empire Center's Senior Fellow for Health Policy. There is an effort underway to rewrite a key chapter in state history and to give some alternate facts about what happened in New York state government in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. There are a few people who know the history of what happened better than Bill Hammond. So he is here today to tell us, Bill, what's going on? Well, so I think you're, I mean, what you're referring to is the new memoir by Melissa DeRosa, who was uh, the, the secretary to the governor, the, the top unelected official in state government, um, Governor Cuomo's top aide through all of the pandemic, sat by his side during those briefings, um, was often a spokesperson for the administration and also was intimately involved in making policy during those days. And she's she's just written a memoir. It came out a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and in addition to that, she's been on a, uh, a book tour, a promotion tour. And one of those appearances, she was joined by Cuomo himself for a, an interview with Bill Maher on HBO. Uh, and so the, she made she and Governor Cuomo made a number of claims about the pandemic in 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 her book and in in the various interviews. Some of which are are familiar, some of which are new, and all of which are wrong in my view. and I and and I think they're sort of demonstrably wrong. I'm on somebody on Twitter asked me, how do you know what happened? Were you in the room? And I and I said, look, I'm not commenting on what happened in the room. I'm, I'm just comparing what what she and Cuomo are saying versus, you know, the documented facts about what happened. Let's start with probably the most controversial decision that was made in the early days of the pandemic, and that is the March 25th order for nursing homes to accept COVID-positive patients from hospitals. As you wrote up last week, it sounds as though the book is saying something to the effect of, Donald Trump made us do it. Yeah, that's, that's, one, of the, that's one of the really kind of... Um, Demonstrably false claims, but so this this March twenty fifth, it was March twenty fifth, twenty twenty. If you can take your mind back to what was going on in those days, that was really when panic started to take hold. When the it became clear that we were in for a very rough time. The hospitals in the New York City area were filling up, uh, and so there was understandable concern throughout society, including in the governor's office. And they were particularly focused on how crowded the hospitals were and how much more crowded they were likely to get. They were desperately trying to create as much hospital capacity as they could. And one of the steps that they took, one of the more desperate steps that they took was um, ordering nursing homes to take patients off of hospitals' hands. These were these were obviously... Um, uh, elderly or disabled patients who had had, in many cases, had just recovered from COVID. They were stable. Uh, 
they no longer needed hospital care. So they were ready to leave, but there was nowhere for them to go other than a nursing home. And the nursing homes were understandably leery to take them. And so um, the health department finally issued this order on March 25th saying, you must take these patients. And by the way, you may not uh, insist on testing them for COVID before you accept these patients. It it was, uh, there were a couple other states that issued similar orders. This one was the most kind of strongly worded and and it was the only one that included a ban on testing. Um, So this this was issued in March 25th. It didn't get a lot of attention at first because it was such a hectic time. There was a lot of orders flying around. But very quickly, um, you know, word came out that it, it became increasingly clear that nursing homes were kind of the epicenter of the pandemic, that, that, that an awful lot of their residents were getting sick and dying. And it also uh, became clear that the governor had issued this order. And so people were starting during those briefings, you may remember, this started to come up at the briefings. What were you thinking with this order and did it contribute to the the pandemic in nursing homes? And that was the beginning of what I would consider to be a cover-up where um, the people responsible for this policy consistently misstated exactly how it worked, what its impact was, and then um, then they uh, started withholding data. They they started understating how many people were dying in nursing homes. Um, and this went on for most of a year. Um, they, they were defying requests for information from the press, from the legislature, and uh, I put in, uh, I and some other people put in requests under the Freedom of Information Law, and they were also defying those. Um, the Empire Center ultimately filed a lawsuit, and after a period of months of deliberation in court, uh, a judge ordered the state to release the data. But that was in February 2021, uh, so almost a year after the pandemic began and, and almost a year after that order was issued. So the DeRosa talks about a lot of stuff in the book. Um, she talks about the sexual harassment scandal. She talks about her personal life. She talks about Black Lives Matter, everything that happened in those final few years of her um, period of working for the state. I just focused on the nursing home stuff because that's what I know the most about. Um, So one of the things she says is, you know, she's kind of trying to downplay the significance of this order. And she says, look, we were just following guidelines from CMS. And she quotes the guidelines that they were supposedly following. The big problem with that is that the CMS guidelines, they did say the nursing homes could admit um, hospital patients who were exposed to COVID. But they made very clear in no uncertain terms that you could only do that if you were prepared to take certain precautions. And they listed the precautions, which were extraordinary. They included, um, if possible, creating a separate ward within the nursing home that would be COVID only and having separate staff deal with those patients. So it was called cohorting so that the staff wouldn't carry the virus from one resident to another. The state's directive 
did not reference the CMS guidelines. It did not reference any special precautions that nursing homes should take. It didn't reference cohorting or isolating. Uh, it was very terse and it was also much more, it was more strongly worded than the CMS guidance. It used terms like must and shall instead of may and should. Um, so that that was that was always a false claim from the governor's office, and she repeats it. And just to give folks a sense of the level of revision that's happening here, the order is now being called an admissions advisory. It was it was a suggestion. It was in in your experience, Bill, when people ignore nursing Department of Health orders, um, and Derosa says in her book, nursing homes had other options available to them. Yeah, that's yeah, that's another. <laughs> So the the memo itself uses the term guidance, but it also uses the term directive. So, you know, it's a question of semantics, what you want to call it. Um, I think in the context, though, remember, this was an emergency situation. The governor had been endowed with special emergency powers. He was issuing all these emergency orders. He had furthermore delegated emergency authority to the health commissioner. The memo itself mentions this is an emergency and people need to cooperate. There was zero doubt that this was intended to be an order to the nursing homes. And the nursing homes would have interpreted it that way. Another argument that that DeRosa brings up is that under state law and regulation, nursing homes are always obliged to only take the patients they can safely handle. It's, it's kind of a boilerplate statement in regulation. The problem is that particular regulation was literally suspended by the governor in one of his many executive orders a week before the March 25th guidance came out. So even if you thought nursing homes were supposed to follow that rule in an emergency situation under when a health commissioner was ordering them to do something, even if you thought they were supposed to follow that rule, that rule was no longer in effect. So um, I just find that completely unconvincing. And and also it's, it's showing that DeRosa herself either doesn't know or doesn't care what the facts were of the situation. And in the same book, she brags about having helped rewrite so much of state law, including the very regulation that yeah, is- Yeah, she, prob- she was probably involved in that executive order. I mean, I guess I wouldn't falter for not realizing that that regu- If you've ever seen one of these executive orders, they had dozens and dozens of clauses, and each clause was suspending several- provisions of law and regulation, and they didn't always say what those provisions were about. They would just cite the number, you know, the the section of law and this particular paragraph they were suspending without explaining what it was. So it was a blizzard of things flying around. And that's another reason why you wouldn't expect nursing homes to be on top of things. Um, here they were getting a very clearly and strongly worded memo from the health commissioner who has control over their license and most of their revenue. They weren't, you know, you don't mess with the health department if you operate a nursing home. And the commissioner was telling them, we need you to take these patients. It was not, it was not meant to be optional. Going back to the state's refusal to say what was happening with nursing home patients once they went to the hospital, 
I'm reminded of a moment in 2020 when I got a phone call from someone who said something to the effect of, the governor just said on television that we can't count those people. That's not true because we're punching that into a computer system every single day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so this is another claim that both actually both DeRosa and Cuomo got into. And that has to do with how they how they reported the casualties in nursing homes. Um, very early on, they, they started withholding a certain category of deaths. And that was people who had been transferred from nursing homes to hospitals before they died. This happens quite a lot, actually, when a nursing home patient, even under normal circumstances, if a nursing home patient gets seriously ill, they call an ambulance and the ambulance takes them to a hospital. And they, if they if they die in, in the hospital, like that happens a lot, even under normal circumstances. Well, it was happening during COVID. Uh, people were getting seriously ill. They were going to the hospital and they were dying in, in hospitals. The state was putting out a number for how many nursing home residents had died. And they initially, they included those transfers to hospitals. But after a few weeks, they sort of abruptly decided, no, we're only going to count the people who died in the nursing homes for this for this report. And they put a little asterisk on the report explaining that. Um, and over time, people started saying, uh, Governor, why are you leaving those people out? Governor, can you tell us how many people are in that category? And he and the health commissioner and everybody else said, no, 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 we can't. We can't give you that. We, you know, at various times, they gave different excuses. They said, we're worried about double counting. We're worried the numbers aren't accurate. Um, but to claim that, uh, so the new claim from both DeRosa and the governor is they would have had to, quote, go back and find that information. And that is just wrong. From the middle of April forward, they had a system called the Health Emergency something, something, something. It was The acronym was HERDS. And that was a daily survey that the health department required nursing homes to fill out. And on that survey, they specifically asked how many residents died in your facility and how many residents died after going to the hospital and specifically died from COVID in both, for both of those questions. The, the nursing homes, by state order, were reporting both of those numbers every day starting in mid-April. And they'd also reported it retrospectively to the beginning of the pandemic. So starting in mid-April, the state health department had a database with both of those numbers in it. And it was only, the, the, the Cuomo administration was only sharing part of that information. Um, the idea that they had to go back and reconstruct anything is just wrong. And it, it wasn't even a matter of dispute at the time. The, the health department acknowledged having the number. It just refused to give it out. And so for for DeRosa and Cuomo to try to make out that, you know, this was an unreasonable request because we would have, in the middle of a pandemic, we would have had to go back and conduct all this, these surveys and forensic audits and things. It's just not true. Well, the accuracy issues aside, at least on the bright side, we can say we have no evidence that this book was written by state employees working on tax, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah, unlike a, unlike Cuomo's book, which 
was in fact written with the help of people like DeRosa and uh, and with state equipment and everything else. Now, so, uh, um, the the another thing, you know, in the interview with Bill Maher, what kind of struck me is DeRosa was mostly like, like I say, repeating old arguments that were wrong when she said them the first time and they're still wrong now. Um, Cuomo made up new ones, like I uh, claims that I'd never heard before. One of which was, I would have, you know, Bill Maher, he's talking to Bill Maher, I would have given out that number, Bill, but nobody asked for it until months later. And that is just absurd because reporting people who watched the briefings could hear reporters ask him about this at the time. Um, they didn't necessarily say, hey, governor, why aren't you telling us about the number of patients transferred to hospitals? Partly because they weren't necessarily aware that the health department was withholding that data at first. They had no way of knowing how many people were in that category. Um, but eventually people started recognizing the importance of that number and putting in FOIL requests, freedom of information requests. Now, my own request went in on August, which I guess you could arguably say August 2020. You could arguably say that was months later because it was August instead of April or May. But I wasn't the first one to put in that request. And by the way, I didn't get any answers to that request from August of 2020 until February of 2021. Um, so the idea that, you know, that was not the reason the state was withholding the data. The state was withholding the data because they didn't want the data to be out there. They had it in their possession. It was ready to go. It was a, a matter of reading two columns in their spreadsheet instead of one. Um, and they very consciously chose not to put that information out. I am reminded in this situation of a quote often misattributed to Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. We are not hung up on the people here. The big idea behind this is that it's been more than three and a half years since the novel coronavirus hit New York and swamped the healthcare system and killed tens of, uh, tens of thousands of New Yorkers. And there still has not been a complete accounting of what went wrong in the earliest weeks, what warning signs were missed, and what can be done to avoid that in the future. And you've written a lot about this too. Yeah, I think so. The March 25th decision has gotten a lot of attention, understandably so. I think in retrospect, it's pretty clearly a mistake, which is something that Cuomo and DeRosa and his and former commissioner Howard Zucker have refused to acknowledge. Um, but even if you think it was a mistake, I don't think it was the worst mistake. It, In my estimation, it probably made a bad situation worse in the nursing homes, but it, it wasn't, you know, the things would have been bad in nursing homes with or without that decision. Um, some of the worst mistakes happened in January and February of 2020. And earlier in March, and they were not errors of commission, they were errors of omission. They were the state failing to recognize how serious the threat was 
failing to prepare adequately for that threat, and then failing to respond quickly enough when the threat became obvious. Um, I don't want to be overly um, critical because a lot of other people were making mistakes too. Certainly the President Trump was making lots of mistakes, the whole federal government, most other states, most other countries. New York, however, did have it worse than almost anywhere else. And it should cause us to reflect on what happened. And it should certainly cause us to prepare for the next virus, to recognize that we weren't prepared this time and that we need to be better prepared next time. And we need to think through what that means, what being better prepared means. You can't wait to prepare when the virus arrives. You have to you have to do an advance. And we haven't done that. We haven't had a serious analysis of how we handled this and what went wrong and how we can do it better. Um, the, the governor did commission a study. Um, that study's due in a couple of months at the end of the year. Uh, it was the people doing it were not given subpoena power um, and, other, and other things that would have been useful. Uh, I'm a little skeptical that this is going to be adequate to the scale of the tragedy that unfolded. Um, so I just think it is something that should happen at the state level. It should probably happen at the federal level. We should do an after action review. And I, so it's discouraging when you hear people who should know better, people who were directly involved and have access to everything that happened for them to misrepresent it is really a disservice to the future. I mean, we, the people of the future are kind of counting on us to learn the lessons of 2020. Uh, and, you know, it shouldn't be about protecting your ego or your legacy. It should be about um, doing what's right for the next generation. And, and it, it's so far it isn't happening. Well, we'll leave it on that uptick. Uh, happy note. Uh, I want to, <laughs> Thank you for uh, helping to set the record straight uh, in this instance. I want to thank you for doing the service of reading this book so that the rest of us can <laughs> do. Only the nursing home parts. <laughs> sure. Um, with that, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Please uh, subscribe to our podcast wherever you do uh, collect podcasts. And uh, we hope to join you again soon for another Message of Necessity. For more news and analysis, visit our website and sign up for email updates at empirecenter.org. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Empire Center.